about the show Barry on HBO. We are bringing you our second episode, and it is about the second episode of Barry. Yeah, we're still in season one, so this is season one, episode two, Use It. This episode was written by Alec Berg and Bill Hader, the show co-creators, and directed by Bill Hader. Yes, and so this episode introduces some new characters. We're going to do a really quick synopsis here for you and then we're gonna get into the discussion so the episode opens with a really really fun scene um with some like just delicious frames uh barry is in kusanao's class he is now officially an actor um (laughs) he's practicing this mirroring exercise with sally it's like an improvisational reaction thing i guess and there are just some beautiful like they play with the frame in a really funny way and anyway uh oh we should say if you have not yet seen this episode there will be spoilers for season one episode two of barry come back after you've watched it we'll try not to spoil anything beyond this episode amid this you know mirroring exercise Kusanao comes in, gets off the phone with whoever's called him, and he's just been informed that Ryan Madison died, um, was shot to death in the street. And in a hilarious moment, Barry turns to see the class's reaction and turns back around mirroring their reaction Mm -hmm. because, of course, he knows. (laughs) Gene uh, tells them that they should, you know, take the day to, you know, think about Ryan and and go ahead and take the day off, but they're still going to have to pay for class. Yeah, he still charges them. (laughs) Yeah. But the important thing is that this class counts. <laughs> yep. Um, no rain checks. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what the class decides to do to honor Ryan's uh, memory is they're going to put together a class show and they're each going to act out a scene that makes them think of him. As this is happening over at the LAPD, uh, we've got some detectives that are investigating Ryan's death. Yeah. They discovered the camera that Noho Hank placed and the footage off of that, but they can't really get a lead because they can't access the footage because it's like a special like Russian or Chechen device, I, right? Something like that. I don't like know that. that it's special. I think it's just really outdated. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Like I think a lot of Eastern European technology is just like very behind the times. Yeah. So they've got to find like a Russian electronic store to find something that will work with this and it's slowing the investigation down. So, in the meantime, Barry visits Fuchs at his hotel room, and Fuchs is pretty mad about the Chechens coming after Barry, and what's interesting to me is Barry kind of uses the threat of the Chechens as kind of a way to distance himself from Fuchs, so he's Mm -hmm. encouraging Fuchs to get out of town. He's like, no, go, I'll face the consequences (laughs) for this, like, very fake selflessly, but really, he just wants any reason to get some distance from Fuchs. Yes. Meanwhile, while they're there, Barry gets a call from Sally, and he steps out mm-hmm. onto the balcony to take the call. And the framing of this shot is genius. We are outside with Barry. We're looking in. He's out on the balcony. We can see the hotel room behind him. While he's talking to Sally, the Chechens come in. They beat the ever-loving crap <laughs> out of Fuchs. Barry hears none of it <laughs> while he's screaming for Barry the whole time. And then as Barry finishes his call and re-enters the hotel room, he is also taken by the Chechens. Oh, no. So... 
the Chechens take Barry and Fuchs to see Hank and Pizar, and uh, that's Goran Pizar, like the head honcho. And Goran's really mad that Barry uh, killed his men. And Hank is mad that he killed his, you know, buddies slash men. Mm-hmm. And they uh, want Barry to kill an informant. And Barry refuses. He's trying to get out of the game. Yep. But then they decide that they're going to use Fuchs <sighs> as leverage. They're going to torture Fuchs in order to get Barry to do their bidding. This was so... Oh my god. My teeth hurt literally thinking about it. Yeah, so their chosen method of torture in this case is filing Fuchs' teeth. Oh, God. Which is so weird that that's a thing that people voluntarily get done. I guess not without anesthesia, but yeah. I I don't think like that, though. I don't think there's like a giant, like... (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Metal sharpening file. (laughs) Oh. Um, Oh. (laughs) So despite the, you know, skin-crawling feeling that causes us, Barry is still kind of like you know, reticent to to do what they want, but he ends up agreeing. Of course. Um, <laughs> but they're going to keep Fuchs as collateral. Sure. So they hold on to Fuchs, and Barry is like, okay, fine, I'll do the job, but he's got something else to do first. He's got to go do his scene at the memorial show for Ryan, which, just to make sure we all remember, he murdered, or he didn't murder, he was supposed to murder, and, yep. Right, I do think it's important to remember that Barry did not kill Ryan. Right. Sure, he was going to, but he didn't actually kill Ryan. Yes. The thing that gets me is when Fuchs turns to Barry and he's like, you're going to get right on this, right? <laughs> and Barry's like, yes. <laughs> Clearly lying, just as he did to him earlier in the hotel room. And then he goes and preps his acting scene. <laughs> the best part is that his response, he seems like he's acting and his acting skills are leave something to be desired yeah. at this stage. You're like, does Fuchs believe that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we should say the scene that Barry is getting ready for, the, mm-hmm. what Sally called him about earlier was to ask him to do this scene with her at Ryan's memorial. She says, it's the last scene that Ryan and I performed together, so it would mean a lot for us to do it. It is a scene from the movie Doubt, <laughs> where Sally plays a nun and Ryan's former character, now Barry's character, is a priest. Sally kind of sells the scene as, like, you don't have to do much. It's, you know, mostly on me, so you'll be fine. So, Barry's at the memorial, which takes place at a bar, and everyone's doing their scenes. And this is a great little montage of everybody doing their (laughs) scenes. I actually wrote in my notes, tag yourself, I'm Eric. (laughs) Just a moon-faced guy in a flannel speak rapping. (laughs) I really liked that. So everyone's doing their little scenes. And then at the end, Gene is like, you know, someone special is here today. He really wants to meet all of you. And he brings out Ryan's father. So it turns out Ryan's name really isn't Ryan Madison. It's Ryan Krempf. Mm -hmm. He is from Wisconsin. And his dad comes out and, you know, basically says, like, I wasn't really sure when my son wanted to be an actor, but, you know, I've seen all of you tonight in the community you've built. And he gets very emotional and just says, who could mm-hmm. do this to my son? Yep. And in that moment, it, it like flips a switch for Barry because he has never had to deal with the other side of this. And he immediately kind of panics and runs outside. Yep. And this, I think, is a really interesting moment. And we can get into this more. But Sally basically goes out and talks to him and coaxes him back in. Mm-hmm. And the episode ends really nicely. Well, 
not quite yet, but <laughs> we're kind of winding down this nice moment in the bar where everyone's together. And there's a yeah. real sort of cheersy feeling when he comes back through the door <laughs> and they hang a plaque for Ryan and everyone's together. And we end by Barry walking Sally home. Mm-hmm. Sally basically propositions him, but not directly. It's very yes. much assumed right. that this is going to happen. Um, and so she's a little taken aback when Barry doesn't rebuff her, but just says like, oh, that's not what I was thinking. I just wanted to walk you home. Have a good night. You know, see you in class. Mm-hmm. And we pull away by seeing one of the Chechens taking photos of Sally outside her apartment. Yes. That scene ends with that like little dramatic tension there, but... Man, the comedy leading up to that moment of, like, the will they, won't they, she assumes they will, he's like, I wasn't even thinking about that, and the look on her face (laughs) when she realizes, oh, this isn't a given, and then she delivers that one line where she's like, well, do you want to come inside and talk about why we're not going to do it? (laughs) It's, I really, I actually have such a hard time understanding her reaction, Mm -hmm. because it's like, it, you see, like, a whole bunch of things flicker across her face, she's like a little rebuffed like yep. what what like a little rejected um but also just sort of like maybe a little intrigued or maybe like in awe of what's happening it's so funny because like in that first episode it, he doesn't even register to her as a human being yeah. until she realizes that he's an actor yeah and then once she realizes he's an actor she wants to like give him tips and mm-hmm. help him out and and then in this scene, so, so like, she thinks that she's better than him, basically, f- sure. from the get-go. And then when he kind of, like, slows her role, she's like, wait a second. If he is saying no to me, maybe he's got the power. He's be- oh. better than I am. Yeah, interesting. That might be. Yeah. So, the one, okay, the, the interesting thing about Sally's character in this episode to me is that I wrote, Sally has a rare moment of selflessness coaxing Barry back into the bar. And just the way we first meet Sally, we talked about last episode how she was so rude to Barry right off the Mm -hmm. the get-go. It was like, you know, thanks a lot. Like, you've interrupted me. Yeah. She tries to blame him for throwing her off to Jean, you know, making excuses. Like, well, there was this guy outside. And like you said, just thinks nothing of him until Mm -hmm. she finds out that he's an actor quote-unquote, air quotes. (laughs) Then she starts being nicer to him, but, you know, we really only see her in this episode calling him to ask him to do the scene with her, and her telling him, like, you know, it's not really a big scene for you, it's more me. Yeah. He's just there to be a prop, a set piece for her. But then at the bar, when he kind of panics and leaves, Mm -hmm. and she goes out to get him, it's, it's a real change for her, to me. Yeah. She really does seem genuinely interested in getting him to come back into the fold, back into the group. And what really drove it home for me was as they re-enter the bar, she says, you know, this scene's mostly about the priest anyway. She flips it from what she told him earlier. And I just, I'm not really sure, like, what the motivation is there. Like, is that a moment of genuine caring for Sally? Or... I just don't, I'm not sure I understand her motivations. I had the same question and I had assumed the reason she was trying to get him back inside was so that he would do the scene so she could perform and be in the spotlight and do her thing. But then when she changed her mind about doing the scene, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Maybe that wasn't it. I think that like, there's something so, uh, 
I feel like the word poetic is cliche, but in the last episode, I talked about how Alec Berg mentioned that in the in Barry's world of you know uh, being a contract killer, the stakes are very high, the drama is very low. In the acting world, stakes very low, drama very high. Mm-hmm. And the moment that he finally starts to conceptualize the emotional side, the you know the the impact of what he's been doing all these years, is when those two worlds collide. And mm-hmm. this is his first like reckoning with what he's done. And it has to happen in the context of that drama world for him to get there. That is interesting. This is a direct collision of those two things. Yes. Because it was someone from the acting class. Yes. So let's talk about that because I feel like the big crux of this episode is when Barry hears Ryan's father, George, at the memorial. Mm Mm-hmm talk about his son and it's really Barry for the first time being confronted with the consequences of what he does yes and I think Fuchs even says something to him like that earlier in this episode or the previous episode where it's like you haven't had to deal with the fallout from this yeah and it's true Barry doesn't know who's hiring him for hits Fuchs takes care of all of that Barry literally just goes and does it and never has to deal with or think about and he never has to deal with the I feel like when Fuchs is talking about that, he's talking about like the political side of it and the power side of it and less like what actually happens to these families. Yes. A- and then Fuchs has also been feeding Barry a line that these are really scumbags. These yes. are bad people. And that is something that Barry has internalized because mm-hmm. if you remember in the first episode, his monologue, quote unquote, yep. to Gene, he says, you know, these are bad guys, you mm-hmm. know, real scumbags. Barry thinks that the people he kills are bad people. Yes. But he knew Ryan, however briefly. Mm-hmm. He knew Ryan, and he knew Ryan wasn't a bad person. Yeah. Ryan might have had seven DUIs, but he's not a bad person. <laughs> In the first episode, that's why he had to drive him home. But, but yeah, but like he sees that he's human and has, you mm-hmm. know dreams and aspirations and in fact they share this dream for one day yeah they share this dream for one day and he has a father who cares about him and he has this acting community and he has his job at the gym and like ryan is connected to people in a way that barry isn't yes and him being dead and barry seeing the fallout of his death in the community just really comes home to roost for him i i just think it's so profound the way that he acted the scene you could tell that it wasn't just the realization that you know ryan has a father it was god every person that i've killed has a family yeah and you can see that in the weight of his performance and that's one of the things that's like so beautiful about this show is you can have those really deep and dark emotional beats and like really raw human moments like that and then like the next scene is going to be something funny yeah and or even in that scene, there'll be like yeah. a throwaway line where you're just like, <laughs> yes, and it works. And the thing that's so cool about it to me is, and I was listening to a podcast with Alec Berg who talks about, and, and Bill Hader, they talked about for them, they have to make sure that it's emotionally like real and true mm-hmm. for the person who's engaging in the humor. So for example, you know, if they have something happen in the drama community, uh, Noho Hank's not going to know about that. So right. the next time you see Noho Hank, he's not going to be like reading the room and, you know, taking that into account when yeah. he's um, when he's making a joke. So, yeah, I just anyway, uh, beautiful scene. Well, uh, along those lines, I just want to praise Bill Hader for a second, because that scene where he's sort of confronted by George's emotion and also in the first episode when he is standing at Gene's car 
and Gina's telling him very honestly that he's not a good actor and mm-hmm. that he his performance is dog shit. Um, the tension in Bill's face, oh my god! I mean, it's so real, and, and you feel it. You feel what he is feeling just from the tension in his face. Yes, he is honestly such an underrated actor yeah. and i'm glad that he's getting to be in more stuff now you know he was in it too and was phenomenal in it too yeah. like my favorite part of that movie and not just because he's bill Hader, um <laughs> but it, he was also amazing in skeleton twins and like i'm hoping to see him in more dramatic stuff he's extremely talented but you're so right that like in his face he's holding that question of mm-hmm. like am i good enough and then in the scene from this episode where he's you know finding out oh shit ryan had a dad and and yeah. now i have to face all the bad stuff that i've done and he's got that on his face like am i a bad person and he actually will articulate that question eventually yeah not in this episode but but he's planting that seed and two going back to the scene with gene there's just this kind of brewing of you can tell he's like on the verge of crying like he's Mm -hmm. upset at what he's hearing he's also getting angry about Mm -hmm. it which leads to him sort of telling gene the truth of himself it's this mix of sadness and anger that is just he's he's really good at portraying that he really is and like i i just have so much respect for him as an actor and a writer and getting into the that like emotional trough of like this is what it feels like in my body and this is what it feels like in my face yes. like i wonder if he knows <laughs> that he's doing it or if he's just more intuitive i wonder i don't well, know i think i heard him say in in a interview i was listening to fresh air recently and they cut together some older interviews with him mm-hmm. and henry winkler i believe he said he wasn't trained um in acting at all he just did improv wow so yeah, I'm not sure if he's really thinking about it that way yeah. or if it's just something that kind of comes naturally to him. That's, I mean, he must have like incredible powers of observation because of his background in being a, uh, an impression impressionist. Can you say someone's an impressionist or is that a type of painting? No, doesn't that feel really old timey? <laughs> it does feel weird. Um, but uh, yes, I think anybody who's really good at impressions, like I'm thinking Benedict Cumberbatch is also really mm-hmm. good at impressions. Like you just sort of have that ability to sort of read people, yeah, pick up on like mannerisms, but not only pick up on them, like duplicate them, yeah, which I think is really hard to do. Like his Keith Morrison impression, it's so good. <laughs> we should put a link to that if no one's seen it. We absolutely should, and maybe the video where he meets Keith Morrison too, yeah. because that's like mind blowing for him. It's a pretty good one. <laughs> I actually, a lot of my notes about this episode are about the lines. Okay. There's some really good line deliveries in this episode. Let's hear your favorite line deliveries from the episode. Uh, So, in the opening scene when the class is doing their exercises and Gene announces that Ryan has been killed, you know, and Gene tells everybody to just take the day, and Barry responds by saying, like, no, wouldn't you, don't you think it's better if we, you know do be some characters and wear some wigs <laughs> and the affront and incredulity in Jean's voice when he says wigs like <laughs> like like you've literally just reduced his entire profession to like the clownery of putting on a wig <laughs> 
Yeah, you can hear the offense in his voice. Yes. And then another one I loved was um, when Sa- they're all outside and Sally's like, you know, we're going to do this thing. And, like, you know, I'll put, a, I'll put, like, a sign up on the class Facebook. And everyone's like, yeah, great. And, they're wa- and everyone starts walking away. And Barry just, like, mumbles to himself, I don't have a Facebook. Like, as <laughs> everyone's walking away from him. That's and I was like, yep, <laughs> I know that feel. <laughs> You're like, I'm out of the loop. Okay. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. to pinch his cheeks. But those little, like, those just little lines, like, that's where the humor comes from, but in a way that's, like, not overt. It's not there to, like, you know, make you belly laugh, but it's really funny. And I feel like those, the nuance in those line readings is part of what makes the show hold up on so many reviewings. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, you can watch it again and again and, like, catch a little bit more. Yeah, I think if you, like, rewatched it and focus your attention on different characters like different stuff would come out to you yeah absolutely the the other line i loved was um well we we didn't talk about our new characters um oh yeah detective loach and detective janice moss both of whom are great characters janice i really love she feels very real to me yeah like she is a real person that i could know and work with yeah and Loach is obviously meant to be, like, their first slightly comedic effect. Yep. But when when they joke about him having broken up with his fiance, I think, <laughs> um, you know, when he walks into the room when she's with the tech guys and he's like, how's everybody doing? And she's like, no, Loach, how are you doing? And he goes, what? Like, very nonchalantly. And then immediately his face crumples in emotion. And I thought, I know he's just doing that for comedic effect, but that is actually how I react. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm just holding it together as long as you don't ask me, like, what's going on or like, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. No follow-on questions, please. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. But... So in that scene, um, Janice is talking to the tech guys about trying to get the video off the lipstick camera. Yes, yeah. The lipstick camera from Hank's car that ostensibly caught Barry walking away from Ryan's truck and shooting the Chechens. They're running into a little bit of an issue with the camera, though, because they can't crack the password to get it open. And Janice, wanting to take the shortest cut, just starts typing in passwords and locks, <laughs> locks out of the camera. And she's like, fine, I have to call the FBI. And this really cracked me up because she gets on her cell phone, boop, boop, boop. And then you just hear, FBI. And she goes, <laughs> hi. And I'm like, in no universe. <laughs> Come on. Uh, so good. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> it's like one ring and someone answers. Second of all, they just go, FBI. <laughs> Amazing. It was clearly like an inside joke, but... It's there's, so good. There's a lot of funny little moments in this episode. There, um, there are some moments that are like borderline absurdist, I think. Yeah. And that's one of them. But yes. they, they play well with the rest of the reality of it, which is like so fun. Well, I mean, even that scene, the reality of it is like, it's not like CSI where like you have this camera and yeah. like you're going to crack the code and you're going to like run a password cracker on it and like get the code and you're going to see the video. No, it's going to be like, oh, we got to go to the Russian tech store. We got to contact the <laughs> manufacturer. We might have to ask the FBI if they can help us. Like, yeah, it's going to be a while before you can see what's on that video. Exactly. And speaking of video, going back to Loach and his introduction, they're taking bets on on him, like how long he'll take to cry. Right. When he walks in. 
and the way they introduce him before he even walks in right they're looking at the video of him i guess it's like the dashboard camera or the body worn camera of the people who showed up on the scene because they can't just the crime in. scene photos okay and yeah he was in the background of them like yeah. weeping yeah he's like crying in each and every one of them one of them he's sitting like on the curb with his head <laughs> in his hands it's just very just like a great joke <laughs> and so we get to know him as like the sad sack <laughs> yeah. character just like Mm. and like not to spoil anything from later on but i just it's so delicious that all these things are not just like haha this funny joke that we did that pays off in a later episode like it's just it's so wonderful but he's also a great foil for janice because she we see her and she is very practical very level-headed she's tough yeah yep and committed to her job and wants to do things right and Mm -hmm. but is clearly a seasoned veteran who's been around for a while and so there's an ease to what she does you know she's not she doesn't have like a stick up her ass she just wants to do a good job and do it the right way and she's the kind of person who is so competent that she can afford to joke around a little bit here and there so she doesn't have to be a total straight man yep and and also her emotions and stuff aren't played for a joke because you know she's very very competent I also want to give a small shout out to Cameron Britton, who makes a little cameo as one of the tech guys. Oh. Um, Cameron played Ed Kemper in Mindhunter. Oh, um, I didn't know that. He is fantastic. He's also, he was also the handyman in that wonderful Kristen Bell. Uh, <gasps> Oh. What was it? The woman across the window from Earth. Yeah, the woman. Uh, I'll never remember the name of it. Uh, in the but window like across the, the street, or in the house across yeah. the street from the girl, girl in the window, in the or window. something. Yeah, something like that. Um, he was the handyman in that who was always fixing the oh mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a bizarre show, and it didn't click why it was the way it was until I saw that Will Ferrell produced it, and I was like oh okay i loved that so much it was like you said like had its absurdest moments but like it took itself really seriously which is why it was so funny yeah the casserole every time she would cross the street oh my god and that really made me sad because those pyrex dishes are not cheap they're not (laughs) and the casserole looked good and they kept smashing them it was so sad Um, that's a, we'll put a, the actual name of it in the show yeah, notes. We'll figure it out. It's <laughs> really good. The woman across the street from the girl in the window. That was it. The woman it? across okay. the street from the girl in the window. We'll put it in show notes. Yes. It's so good. I highly recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I wanted to mention that I noticed in both this episode and last episode is that there is no OPSEC happening. <laughs> um, and OPSEC, for those of you not affiliated with the military, is short for operational security. Mm-hmm. So in this episode we see noho hank send barry attacks during the memorial with the information of the confidential informant that they want barry to kill in order to free fuchs as a hostage and it's literally like a string of texts in classic hank form that like has a picture of the man's uh passport with all of his information and says like we want you to kill him and then follows it up by saying please delete this while he's texting him on an iphone so we know that's gonna like live forever in a cloud somewhere (laughs) it's just this show does require you to suspend reality a bit because we you know we see barry constantly driving car like this is something i think of all the time like last episode where he just chucks his car keys and walks away and it's like who's that car registered to right yeah we we have to suspend reality a little bit because otherwise we have a lot of questions about how barry is managing to live his life and not get caught 
because he's yeah. flying all over the country. He's driving cars registered to someone. His um, cover store is that he's in what like auto part sales yeah. or something like very flimsy. Yes, and a lot of people know things about cars. So yeah. saying that, like all you have to do is run into the wrong person who's also in like auto parts sales, and like your cover is blown. So exactly, it's just. They're not sophisticated. No. And, like, I feel like part of it is the, the you know, the suspension of, of of judgment. And then part of it is that they're not. They're, like, you know, the Chechens are, like, new to L.A. And they're not, like, a sophisticated, super, like, organized crime organization. Like, they're, like, semi-organized crime. Like, like they need the home edit to come in and, like, <laughs> fix things a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, organize their refrigerator. I mean, I do like those touches of, like, his daughter having, you know, friends over. <laughs> Watching the Disney Channel. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and the fact that, like, you know, stuff like, we're going to file a guy's teeth. It's nothing elaborate. Yep. It's gruesome, but it's low budge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's very, it's got, like, indie vibes. Yeah. <laughs> They're just making it work. Yeah. In contrast, like, if, uh, spoilers for Get Shorty, it's not even spoilers, really, but there is, like, a big a very organized, sophisticated, sleek crime syndicate mm. that is behind these street gangs in that show. So there is, like, a little bit more, like, organization there. Mm-hmm. And, like, again, no spoilers for this, but in the future, you do see guys in suits that, you know, they have to communicate with back, I guess, back home in, in Chechen Republic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, that brings me to something that I took a note on. I said... Goran's Eastern European sweater and chain combo is spot on. <laughs> like, he's just, you know, he's like your typical, he should, I, he probably has a pinky ring on. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to guess <laughs> there's a pinky ring happening there. And he's just got one of those hideous sweaters from, like, the 90s yep. that has a lot of textures happening. <laughs> and then that chain, and he's just like a pot-bellied white dude. It's just, it's a look. Yeah, it is a look. It's like there's some Tony Soprano energy in there, but yeah, it's like Eastern European Tony Soprano. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's no shine on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so funny. And uh, I, I also love Hank's wardrobe sensibility. Like it's just so out of place. Like he looks like he should be managing a retail store or something most of the time. I did note that, when, especially when we see him for the first time in the first episode when he comes to the door, he is, he's wearing khakis and a black polo, mm-hmm. which for Hank is, like, pretty toned down. Yeah. We, we do see, as the show goes on, we do see his color choices getting brighter and lighter. Yeah. I think they were trying to maybe, like, skirt that line of, like, mobster, but, yeah. but the tailoring that Hank is known for is still there yeah like he he wears you know fairly tight fitting shirts he likes his pants he likes his loafers like all those pieces are in place it's just right now his color palette is a little toned down yeah and i'm interested to see because you know we're, we're current on the show i'm interested to kind of watch through this and maybe take note of where that shift happens he gets to start to be a little more confident and yeah. then dress like himself. Yeah. But at the moment, he looks like he works at a T-Mobile. <laughs> like, <laughs> or like one of those um, stores where they sell you supplements. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like a GNC, yeah. like, assistant manager. Because, you know, his arms are pretty jacked and he's wearing, like, a tight shirt. <laughs> That's a perfect comparison. 
another wardrobe observation in that opening scene where Barry is doing that mirroring exercise, if you look closely at his shirt, it has creases in it, but they are not creases where you would normally see a shirt ironed. They're the creases where a shirt would have been freshly opened out mm-hmm. of a package. They're on the like the chest going vertically up and down. Well um, spotted. He also yeah. has the little collar buttons still in place. Yes. Which is, I mean, he, he looks like he's getting ready to go to work at an office. Yes. And like he's out of place in it. Like he doesn't yeah. know how to care for it. And so, yeah, it's, it's a, a stylistic change from his outfit in the first episode. Um, and we'll continue to comment on Barry's fashion choices as this, the show progresses. Bree actually suggested that we do a segment on Barry's fashion. <laughs> and I said, it's just an Old Navy Henley for every episode. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> it's going to be very boring. We run out of content again. <laughs> or just commit to the bit and do the same segment again and again yeah. and again. <laughs> I mean, there are definitely some episodes upcoming where we might want to note very specific outfits that we see. Yes. For the most part, it's just an old Navy Henley. I think a Barry Halloween costume would be the easiest thing to do. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Um, And there's a fun wardrobe choice coming up next episode, but I will not blow it. I'll keep it to myself. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. So one of the things that I heard in um, the behind the scenes with Bill and Alec, and we'll link to that on socials, um, one of the things Alec said was they thought about L.A. being this place where everybody's from somewhere else, Mm -hmm. which I also love because as people with military experience, we are used to living in places where everybody is from somewhere else. Yeah. So, (laughs) you know, we can kind of connect with that. But also... He, he sort of said in the context of like everybody comes there to make it and yep. that includes the Chechen mafia that includes Fuchs and Barry and like whatever that looks like for you people are still there to make it somehow absolutely I mean you know that when Hank stepped off that plane at LAX he had a dream in a cardigan and he was probably listening to the Miley Cyrus song when he did it oh my god he probably had fantastic sunglasses on too <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, they're all there. To, they're, and there's a joke about that in the first episode, too, where someone says, uh, oh, are you from... Or Barry asks someone if they're from here. And they're like, oh, Barry, nobody's from here. Yeah. And then... <laughs> uh, what is it? Is it... What's her name? Natalie? Mm-hmm. Uh, played by the amazing Darcy oh, Carden. Yeah. Love her so much. She's got such a small part in this, but she does a lot with it, which is great. Uh, she's like, I'm from here. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even catch that. (laughs) I did not even catch that. I can tell you, like, you know, everybody else is from somewhere else. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she is great. I love her. And fun fact, she was actually Bill Hader's nanny. Not his, like, as when he was a child. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) Like, what? She's not, like, an ageless witch or anything. Like, she's she's beautiful. She might be. I mean, if she is, like, girl, drop your secrets and, like, like, bewitch us or whatever. Uh, Darcy Carden was the nanny for his kids and was very, like, kept a barrier or a boundary up between, like, her professional role there. That's great. She was an actor at the time. She was, I think, going to UCB stuff and, like, she was trying to make it. She's working for this, like, amazing SNL, you know, star Mm -hmm. and didn't try to and didn't try to parlay that into a role. And it sounded like it wasn't until, like, near the end of her employee that the hater found out that she was an actor. Um, so, yeah, like, very, uh, a cool way to make the connection, but also she was very, like, professional about it. I, 
that's so nice to hear Mm -hmm. i feel like i don't know i just feel like people now are like just so big into like branding themselves and like putting themselves out there and it's nice to see somebody who has professional boundaries and really like wants to get ahead based on the quality of their work alone and not totally schmooze with and like i mean if someone's gonna be coming into your home and you know spending time with your kids like you want to know it's because like they're qualified and good at what they do right now and don't want to think that they're like you know just like there until they can make a quick exit or whatever also caring for someone's children and acting are very different things yep and never the twain shall meet so if you uh, if you're finding ways to like work your acting into your name (laughs) like that's a little suspicious (laughs) yeah little sus little sus yeah um but now i'm glad that you know he brought her on to mary because she's fantastic she's really yeah, and she was excellent in The Good Place, too, oh, if people so haven't good. seen that. I cannot wait to see her helm her own show. It'll happen. Yes. For sure. Other thing that I took from that behind the scenes was um, they talked a little bit about Fuchs sort of taking Barry's culpability mm. in his hits. Like, Barry doesn't have to think about the people that he's killing like we talked about how you know he's been sort of fed this line of them being bad people and he's internalized them being bad people but he doesn't have to think about the details of killing those people at all right not until he sees the fallout with george and i think fuchs is doing that on purpose a bit i mean it's sort of the nature of the job you know fuchs is sort of managing all the details and stuff but he's also kind of making sure barry isn't exposed to any of that because that's how he keeps him sharp as a weapon yes he's uh, obfuscating him partly probably so he doesn't get hip to the fact that he's making bank off barry's back and partly also because like you said if if barry suddenly gets a conscience about the people Mm -hmm. that he's you know offed Fuchs' business model is out the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it, without Barry, how does Fuchs make money? I I assume maybe f- try to find some other people to manipulate. But yeah. think about the fact that Fuchs is a friend of his dad's. So yep. he was obviously, you know, somewhat close to Barry. I'm using close in air quotes yeah. because emotionally they're not close. Um, other than Fuchs knows how to pull his strings. So it was very much a, like, right place, right time, I think. I mm-hmm. don't think that this is a skill Fuchs has with other people. Right. I think it's yeah. just that Barry He's was put in front of him. Able to manipulate this vulnerability in Barry, this need that Barry had, not only for a father figure, yeah. but also for a way to make money and a purpose after he got out of the Marines. Yeah. I think the purpose thing was even more important than the money. I yep. mean, we don't we don't see Barry think or focus on money at all, no. but we see both Fuchs and Jean very focused on money. Yes. Fuchs penny pinches every hit, mm-hmm. everything, you know, telling Barry he can't spend an extra day at a hotel yeah. places because that's all money. Jean is the same way. Like you're going to have to pay for this glass. You got to pay. Like yep. it's very penny pinching from both of them, which I think is, a really interesting trait for them both to have yeah especially because of this like father figure energy that he's also barry also is seeking from kusano mm-hmm. um well, you don't see it a ton right now but like you know it, it comes up as their relationship deepens yeah 
and in some ways they they have some parallels you know yeah it's interesting it'll be fun to talk about as we get further into the episodes um so we don't spoil stuff but to explore if there's further parallels there i'm gonna guess yes (laughs) (laughs) yeah So, body count for this episode. This is pretty interesting um, because we started off the season, episode one, with a body count of four. Mm -hmm. And this episode, by our count, we have zero. Yep. So, I won't be humming the Sarah McLachlan (laughs) in memoriam (laughs) theme song here. Um, But no one dies this episode. Although, RIP, lots of Fuchs' teeth. Uh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess so. Uh Um, I think that uh, it's laying the groundwork for the next kill, but yeah, this episode. Yeah. Zero. So, do you have a most evil guy for this episode? Um, okay, so my most evil guy for this episode is Barry. <gasps> oh, twist! Yeah. I think that he'll probably end up being my most evil guy in a few more episodes, but this is the the episode where he's come to reckon and has, has seen the damage that he's been doing. Mm-hmm. And yes, he's still kind of pulled into it by Fuchs and by the Chechens, and he can't really get out of it because then they'll kill him. But he does not take any positive steps to move away from it. Hmm. I mean, he does protest when they're filing Fuchs's teeth. Methinks he does not protest enough. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, like, he could abscond, but he's, you know, I feel it's, like, less of a fear thing. He is less afraid of what the Chechens are going to do to him, and more that he wants this acting thing. Yeah, you're right. And he wants it to work out. Um, so there's something just real cold-blooded, and I know that he has that, like, anxiety attack about it, but there's something real cold-blooded about, like, standing with, you know, the father of the guy you were supposed to kill, and we're, like, very close to killing. And it's just it's weird and, like, a little sociopathic. Yeah. Okay. Who is your most evil guy? I mean, I had a really hard time with this one. I, ultimately, I was, I mean, there really isn't anybody I think that's too bad this episode. I think probably I was torn between saying Gene, just because I felt like a little bit he kind of used Ryan's dad to Mm. sort of legitimize the whole showcase that they were doing because that was some clownery yes and i feel like gene tried to legitimize it by bringing ryan's dad on i was torn between him and goran and hank Mm -hmm. mainly for the scene where you know they order vasha to file um fuchs's teeth and then they sit there discussing like an app that they're (laughs) like i don't know if they're playing candy crush or something like just absolutely cold-blooded just no response they don't even care yeah. what's happening in the room like this is doldrums it's like the copy machine running next yeah. to them like it's like no it's big deal stone cold evil yep so i was really <laughs> torn i mean i think both of those are crappy in different ways yeah yep all right so we got potentially three most evil guys this episode <laughs> a lot of evil guys yeah. a lot of evil in this show huh yeah it's almost like we named the show that for a reason yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this time. This has been fun. If you want to join the conversation, let us know uh, what you thought of Season 1, Episode 2. Hit us up on social media at MostEvilGuy on Instagram and Twitter, or email us at MostEvilGuy at gmail.com. And until next time, I'd love to play a priest that molests little boys. (laughs) Oh. And scene.
Excellent. <laughs>